0: and welcome back to the engage a podcast here in the new year wow that rhymed uh (laughs) sadly it's just myself today robbie is in the process of moving so he will not be able to join us for this episode that's why there's been a delay in recording because we tried to put some stuff together but with his personal life being super busy and me you know Not having too much going on as we are on winter break for our school and I'm only just been working and then obviously doing my internship stuff. I've had a lot of time and I probably could have made a couple more episodes by myself, but sometimes it's better to have quality over quantity. And I believe when me and Robbie are on the show together, that's what you guys, that audience that listens, that's what you get, but still listen to this episode. Be happy that my beautiful face and voice is here. And if you're only here for the maestro, the magnificent Robbie Elliott, then click off. Like I already got my view. No, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh okay. Talking the college football playoff that happened yesterday. Obviously, two really good games, very much loved publicly. Probably really like 27.2 million viewers for that Rose Bowl game between Michigan and Alabama. Two really notable in historical college football programs that have been around for a while. Obviously, Michigan, maybe not so recent until the past three seasons, but that's okay because they're back. They're back. They're back in the national championship. They're back to being the best team in the country. Potentially, we'll see what that game happens on Monday, which I will fire some early breakdown of that game, but I want to get Mr. Elliott back on this podcast, and we want to talk about just the greatness the greatness of this sport it's sad that the season is coming to an end because when i talk about college football it's a lot easier to make content talk about things when there are games going on and obviously we have the transfer portal and recruiting which me and robbie are going to break down a lot of teams you know their transfer portal and recruiting class when we keep you know going throughout the off season the nfl draft process like football never stops whether it's college or the nfl this is a college football podcast, but I just want to talk about in general. Like there's always some sort of attention or all some sort of appeal that college football has that directs the a lot of attention of fans, fans of the game. And that's what, you know, these teams are made for. That's what all these networks and these network deals. And I L it's all because there's attention and appeal to the game that appeal and attention and, you know, traffic makes numbers, generates money makes it also more entertaining because if we didn't have the good commentary crews if we didn't have you know the public you know i or like i you know how many like random twitter fights i'll get into because i care about this sport so much and you know the casual viewer might not understand it as much and that's not you know other people want to do other things with their time i get it like very very open-minded person very understanding of hey college football is not everyone's life but when you make a take or you say something that i'm gonna disagree with i'm gonna tell you why i disagree with it and that is all besides the point because if you're not here to ramble on why i love college football i just you know sometimes like to you know give my perspective or kind of give an insight on why I have a perspective on something and my reasoning behind it and the reasoning behind why, you know, it's like claim evidence and reason. A lot of you guys probably learned that throughout your educational career, most likely in high school, but you know, you're supposed to use it. And, you know, a lot of you might not use a lot of stuff that you learn in education like calculus (coughs) or, you know, what you did in chemistry but, you know, there are some things that, you know, you can carry along. What I want to do, not so much, but that's why I'm in school right now, uh, because that's what I want to do. And, you know, getting into this, let's talk about the Michigan-Alabama game. I've been wasting too much time talking about personal stuff. You guys don't aren't here for me to talk about my personal stuff, or I just be, you know, I'm like Joe rog- Rogan and Nelk Podcasts. Uh, Here to talk about Alabama, Michigan final in overtime, twenty-seven to twenty. The Wolverines get that, get just finally that relief, that you know sense of having success in the postseason. That is something that has been the most critical thing going into this year. Probably the most critical thing of Jim Harbaugh's whole entire career not having being successful in the postseason, whether it comes to the college football playoff or bowl games. He got it done. And if this were to if this was the team to or if he had to pick a year with a team to do it with, this is the year. Because this team played honestly phenomenal. Like I will say JJ McCarthy did not play the best, in my opinion. He made a couple throws. That one one handed grab throw to Roman Wilson on that little trick play. You know, that was a really good off platform playmaking type throw while getting drilled, by the way. But, you know, that throw to the side on Cornelius Johnson that he misses, or, you know, Roman Wilson has to come up with an amazing catch that got tipped. Like, it looked, it was a good release and he had a clean throw, but it gets tipped at the line. And maybe that's not so much his fault. That's more the defender being a playmaker. And, you know, there's only so much JJ can do because if you air that ball a little bit more, that defensive back coming behind is probably going to get a hand on it and force a pass breakup. But I thought McCarthy played okay. I thought the receivers did decently well after catch, especially that Tyler Morris touchdown that he had that play. You know, I've seen him be in there in games and stuff. Don't know too much about the kid. I'm not huge on Michigan football. If you can't tell, Mr. Elliott would probably make this a two hour podcast. I'm just going to say Mr. Elliott because he's not here and he's not dead. Okay. I'm not trying to sound like, you know, the, you know, like at funerals where, You know, they like sound very formal and okay, maybe not funerals, but when you're talking about someone or I guess referring to someone in a professional manner, you say, Mr. Elliot, I'm just going to say that because Robbie is not here and I'm not having a conversation with him. So therefore, he's gone. He's not here. So, I'm going to say Mr. Elliot, and he's going to listen because he loves the JJ podcast, just like all of you guys. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, I thought JJ played okay. I'm wondering, you know, I will say, when this is something that I was going to really break down, which shout out to uh, the middle linebacker. God, what's his name? I think it was his last name was Dawson. I actually have something pulled up where I can tell you the name. Lawson, Lawson. I knew it wasn't Sin. Deontay Lawson, that kid had a phenomenal game. I thought he played really well. Um, something that I was going to bring up is the edge rushers, corners, safeties, and on the outside, Malachi Moore. Those guys have been a lot of the studs for this team this season. You know, K- Caleb Downs, Kool-Aid McKinstry, Tarion Arnold, Jalen Key. Like, a lot of those guys were just the the greatness of this team this year. Sorry, I, So something something went off. Uh, That was the greatness of this team this year on the defensive side. Like those guys made it so difficult for teams, you know, that had a breathing chance against Alabama or made it a close game. Those are the guys that came up. Dallas Turner, who declared for the draft, and Alabama just had a huge overhaul of guys that really didn't get much playing time this year, hit the transfer portal. But regardless – This defense was the reason why I believe the outside guys, the play, the guys that would be considered the playmakers or the skilled positions on defense. Those were the guys that I was like, okay, that's where Alabama has this difference makers. And I come to think of it. I'm like, Alabama doesn't really have a too much difference makers on offense. You had Jermaine, Jermaine Burton throughout the year, but I was personally never high on the kid. I never thought, oh, Jermaine Burton's gonna be like, you know, he's that dude. Like he is one of the top receivers. Yes, he was one of the deep best deep threat guys, you know, in in the country, but Michigan handled Marvin Harrison pretty well, you know, in that in, in the game, you know, at their home stadium. And if they could play over the top with Marvin Harrison around the supporting cast that they had last or this season, you know, I'm already talking about, you know, Ohio State's team in the past tense, especially after that bowl game with Missouri. You know, they can do it with Mar Harrison, they can do it with uh, Jermaine Burton, Isaiah Bond. Like the receivers were just not a difference maker in this game. And partially it was due to that just to be able to generate pressure, getting six sacks and ta- 10 tackles for a loss. It is a hell of a performance by the Michigan front seven. There's not too many teams that say they can did that against Bama. And this was the team that, you know, at, was probably the most physical and credit to Bud, Bud Elliott. Cause I, you know, I do like to give credit where credit is due. This team, you know, they have the dudes that are supposed to be in the SEC, but they're at Michigan and the player development from the staff. I just kudos like, As much as I hate to give it, and that's why I'm like hesitating a little bit. They played really good, and that is something that I don't want to admit. But regardless, what does what does this mean for Alabama? Because Jalen Milrow, yes, he definitely had his hardest task playing this Michigan team, and obviously, no team was able to generate pressure on Bama like Michigan did. Yes, did they have trouble? having problems you know allowing pressure but a lot of that's just messed up with the timing with the snaps if you can't get it right man it's really hard to be successful on offense that's just you're not going to win games like that you you're just not um just the miscues on snap like it's as simple as the fundamentals of getting the snap off and if you're not able to do that you're most likely not going to be a successful team as much as jalen Milro has done a lot to improvise and be a playmaker when things get a little off script or something doesn't go their way, but the play is still alive or keeping the play alive. Just in general, Jalen Monroe is that guy. I believe that dearly, but with him not being able to get, you know, a clean, clean timing. And then obviously the pressure from the defensive line, you know, that snap miscue that gives them an extra half a second, a second, which is at the highest levels of football matters so much. Look at the NFL. A lot of these guys are getting pressure and only have an average of three seconds. If they mess up that snap, boom, that's a second gone. You know, and the top edge rushers are going to get to the quarterback. But, you know, anyways, uh, especially, you know, in Michigan didn't really blitz that much. They weren't, like, becoming completely overloaded. And Bama would have probably adjusted better if they did just because of how they could have played outside the numbers and designing screen passes or short passes, you know, gadget plays. But Michigan, like at most, sent six. But a lot of the times they were just rushing five, and the secondary was doing their job, you know, getting these guys in bad, bad situations. Like they they did more than their job in that game, man. And that that's all that's all that matters. They schemed up everything. If you look at the stunts, the twists, all the di, I couldn't name use every single. Uh, defensive line movement or pass rush just because, you know, I didn't play a defensive line personally and linemen's like the least, you know, intelligent position. I know I was never personally interested in playing line and youth football. And then obviously, you know, with my size, I'm not going to play offensive or defensive line, but just the different types of stunts, twists, whatever, you know, different types of how to get to the quarterback in the design defensive pressures and you know run stops, which I thought Alabama actually ran the ball okay. I thought Jace McClellan actually really impressed me, especially that first touchdown he had. What he was a I didn't really think he was a guy that could do stuff in the open field. Obviously I was wrong. That play was disgusting. I was like, oh crap. Okay. Alabama's here to play. Jace McClellan might have, you know, a legacy game. That didn't happen, obviously. No one really had a legacy game on the Alabama team in general. Um But, yeah, Milrow, he had to stick to the short and intermediate stuff that can never get a design deep play because, obviously, with the Michigan pressure, also, you know, sometimes your best pressure is the secondary behind you, and Michigan had the confidence where they could be aggressive on the pass rush and didn't have to play much contain, and they blew up everything. That, That I think that was their goal against Alabama going in and obviously having Alex Orgy, you know, one of the most athletic, you know, Specimen strongest pound for pound guys probably in college football being able to simulate alabama's offense on scout team obviously that helps a lot Milrow okay the problem with milrow and i think it's pretty obvious if you've watched alabama football this year and how they in terms of how they were able to generate success he's a one dimensional quarterback with a really good deep ball accuracy so and what I mean by that is he's not much of a thrower. Like, he cannot consistently – you couldn't call five pass plays in the row and have Jalen Monroe be able to generate success 60 to 80% of the time. Like, yes, obviously no quarterback is perfect, and they had their rough stretches. I mean, look McCarthy before his last drive. Now, did he get the job done in the end, and did he step up? Yes, I, you can never say jJ. McCarthy did not do that. He did everything that he was asked to do down the stretch and kudos to him. that's why he won player or uh, yeah offensive player of the game. Noro I mean obviously just watching this game like it, it was very apparent to me and very obvious that this is uh if it really came down to him having to dry the field. And you know you're gonna have to do that against Michigan occasionally. You're not gonna beat this team with shot plays. Like if if Ohio State could have done it, they would have. And you know they gen did generate some shot plays, which is something that Alabama really didn't do this game through the air. And obviously throwing for one fifth sixteen doesn't really you know do do Alabama really any good. I mean five yards per attempt. That is that is not good. Not not good at all. Very bottom tier. You know. I just don't think Jalen Milrow, he might not be the guy you want to look at the future if you're Alabama, right? And that's obviously going to be a posed question because with all the guys around Jalen Milrow and the guys on the other side of the ball and, you know, you have the all-time leading scorer and your kicker who hit two 50-yard field goals and, like, did a really good job of staying clutch and, you know, special teams is one-third of the game, whether you like to admit it or not. And Riker, he did his job, man. I would be... If I'm this offensive staff, if I am Nick Saban, I am Brian Reese. And Brian Reese and Jalen Milrow had disconnection all year. They were not – there's a reason why he got benched because they were obviously not able to get on the same page. Tommy Reese tried to implement some stuff and let Jalen Moro be a little bit more of you know the player that he could be with a different OC or a different type of scheme. And I mean, he ran the ball a lot in this game, and it did not really matter too much. I mean you had that first play in overtime but other than that man like he wasn't he wasn't even that good scrambling either cuz he was never really able to get that much either. So I don't know. I I personally would not uh I don't know. Do you look into a different direction if you're Alabama? Is basically what I'm trying to say because they thought they had to do that this year. That's why they bring in Tyler Buckner in the spring. Not that I thought the move was great, but you had to bring in someone to at least generate some more competition. I mean, they do say that having multiple quarterbacks fighting, if you have multiple quarterbacks, you have zero quarterbacks, or if you have two quarterbacks, you have zero quarterbacks. Robbie mentioned that early in the season, obviously, talking about the Ohio State quarterback battle between in the beginning of the season, you know, when they were throwing out Devin Brown and Kyle McCord. And obviously, you know, you don't want to do that at the beginning of the season. Uh, do, do they get a guy? And there's a kid that just entered the portal that while he might not be the best, if you look at on tape, or he might not pop off the stat sheet chart, but he is a winner winner. He knows how to get the job done. And, you know, to be honest, I've only watched Liberty when they played, you know, in weekday games. And I mean, they had the 133rd strength of schedule. I don't need to tell you why I probably didn't watch them that as much. I didn't even watch the little game against Oregon because I already knew that one was decided before it. and I not want to see Bo Nix, you know, playing his last game because I am Bo Nix's biggest hater at heart. Um, Yeah, no. In all honesty, I think Salter would be a good move. I don't know why Will Howard wouldn't even consider transferring there. A lot of people don't think Will Howard's that good. That guy won, clarify, won Kansas State the Big 12 title game. Yes, they had Deuce Vaughn. Yes, they had Felix Uzama. Yes, they had Julius Brents. Yes, they had Malik Knowles. Like, yes, they had talent around the team, but that's what it takes to win a championship. And the difference between him and Adrian Martinez was very apparent. Granted, Is Adrian Martinez ever really that good? I mean, he was a really good runner. He, you know, added something to a team's offense, but it didn't really generate team success. So I don't I think Will Howard... Like I said, he's just a better Kyle McCord and hell. That's why he might go to Ohio State. One more thing that I do want to talk about this game, and that a lot of people have been, you know, saying publicly, which has kind of rubbed me the wrong way. I know it's rubbed some other people the wrong way. This is why Florida State should have been in. You know, oh, Florida State should have been in. Obviously, this result when a couple of days prior, it was. Man, FSU shouldn't have played like the back and forth. And obviously, college football fans, you know, especially with your own team, like I, you know, how Robbie is passionate about his Michigan team. I'm passionate about my Spartans. Obviously, you know, with everything that's happened the last couple of years, I've been more disappointed than anything. And I don't really have a case for an argument. But with Florida State, all these fans coming out saying, we should have been in over Alabama. Our, our quarterback would have thrown for more passing yards, yada, yada, yada. It didn't happen, man. Like I saw I saw another thing. Would Georgia have been favored against Michigan or Washington? I said maybe, but it doesn't matter because they're not there. Guess what? It's not, you're not the one making the decision. You if you don't like it, that's fine. Don't watch, don't watch the sport. You got two classic games yesterday that were phenomenal. I stayed up till one o'clock in the morning on Monday watching that Texas and Washington, because I sadly lived in the Eastern time zone. You know, if I lived in the West coast, like it would only been 10 o'clock. I would have been like, you know, like, Oh, I can go to bed like at a decent hour. That doesn't happen for me on the East coast. Cause you know, obviously sports run a run until one o'clock in the morning, especially every single college football Saturday. Cause we are dedicated to the sport anyways. Um, I hope you know, like, I am not like the most serious person. And if you've listened to this podcast, I made a lot of sarcasm references throughout the show's history. But I'm still passionate about the sport. That's why you see that little mm, come out of me. You know that little. Yeah, I don't know what I'm trying to do. Ah, uh, but no, Florida State. Should they have been there? They had the argument. Did they really look that good to you to be in the college football playoff when you're struggling with Florida? A team that lost to Arkansas the week before, and Arkansas had rumors of their head coach getting fired and did not have the talent that it had, you know, a couple seasons ago. Speaking of which, KJ Jefferson transferred to UCF. Let's see what Guest Miles on does with him. All right, anyways. Uh does it really matter? Doesn't like I am so over this argument. And maybe if it was my team, it'd be a little bit different. But on a national perspective, no one cares about your opinion, right? Like, yes, the day of, I got it. I got the reason of the conversation. Probably because we weren't going to play games for a month. Florida State was a good team this year. Alabama was a good team this year. They both were eerily similar in kind of how the results and how the season played out, playing with close with teams, but you know, getting those wins. I think that beating Georgia at the end of the year on their 29-game win streak meant everything to the college football playoff committee. I think that's what it is. Because because they're this great, great, you know, juggernauts. No one's gonna be able to beat them, you know. Not that that was going to happen because I didn't think Georgia was that good on the defensive line. They had injuries throughout the whole season. Like they were a vulnerable team and it was, it showed a little bit, you know, in that Missouri game, they were vulnerable against Auburn. Vulnerable against Georgia tech in the first half vulnerable. Like this team was not perfect. This team was not the, Oh, we're the big Georgia bulldogs. We have Jordan Davis, and Kobe Dean and Jalen Carter. And you know, all these guys, Nolan Smith, you know, that just wasn't the case. Did they have great guys in the secondary this year? Yes. Lasseter, he's gonna be an awesome player. But there's a lot of there's a reason why guys are transferring out. There's a reason. I don't make their personal choices, but there is a reason. Anyways, final, final story. Uh wrap it all up. I'm happy Michigan's going to play in the national championship because Watching this team throughout the season, as much as it pains me to see them be good, but you know, when they get when this NCAA investigation is over and Michigan's just football program is gonna burn, burn in history, no, uh, because that probably won't happen. Because the more I realize, like, yeah, sign stealing obviously, you know, it happens throughout college football. Like, if you look at any single level of football, coaches are doing anything to win, and I've made this argument before. Coaches will do anything to win at any level. There's a reason why there's a lot of security at the higher levels of football, because they can afford it, obviously, you know, look how much money it makes, <laughs> but uh, no, there's a reason why there's so much and Michigan just went in about it trying to hide in the open, but the problem with that in all the security, especially cybersecurity nowadays and being able to track and get per- personal profiles and, all of that like they just went about it in a stupid way that's why you get caught like i i watched this series with um with pinal county sheriff's office in arizona they have this series called fridays with frank and this guy does not this is me explaining a story for a little bit we'll get back to the college football business and talk about the sugar bowl here in a minute there's the series where this guy, so it's one of the they do a weekly thing. That's why it's called Fridays with Frank. It's on YouTube. It's actually pretty pretty entertaining if you enjoy watching, you know, any sort of like live law enforcement or just want a better understanding of how like you know traffic law enforcement works. Great stuff, especially if you're younger and you know, this these are the idiots that you're gonna have to deal with on the road. Frank, uh, he goes up to this guy and this guy's license is suspended. And this guy's going like 25, 30 over as well. And he knows what he's telling him. He's like, I'm probably not supposed to tell you this, or I probably shouldn't tell you this. But if you're going to drive on a suspended license, you shouldn't try and go 25 or 30 miles an hour over the speed limit. With Michigan, counter Stalin's, you should not be publicly Venmoing money or receiving Venmo transactions publicly for the world to see. Just idiotic. It's just idiotic. But you know, congrats to Michigan. Obviously, this might be the last dance. Harbaugh might not be in a season or coach another season for Michigan, but you got thrown Moore. And unless he follows him or takes a different job that for some reason openings because, you know, actually, I'm not going to make that joke because that's not even funny. Uh, you know, you'll be fine. Your player development staff will probably be there. You have guys that are probably capable of moving up as well and being in a higher ranking of coach within the program. You'll be fine. You'll be good. And if you get this national championship, I will never hear the end of it. So maybe don't win it. No. Uh, <laughs> especially from that guy that's not here. You know, let's get a, uh, let's get a uh, I actually don't know because I don't really like follow the trends of, because I was going to say free Robbie, but that makes him sound like he's, a criminal, which he's not, it's not a criminal. he's just, you know, tell Robbie, let's get a hashtag Robbie, Robbie, please move in because having him here is just a great, great, great personality of him. His personality just, you know, that's why I brought him on that, you know, this kid, let me tell you a story about how me and Robbie, you know, how we first met each other. I believe the date was August 21st, 2023. Approximately like four or five months ago. Anyways, you know, first day of class, I walk in. Robbie's there like 30 minutes early, which I've not seen him on time or there five minutes before, probably in a very long time. You know, shows up late a lot. Probably why he's moving closer to uh campus and obviously his job as well. Um Robbie, you know, I walk in, talk to each other because he's there's only like two other kids and i'll be honest i did not want to uh i didn't really want to interact with him i'm like okay you know let's talk to robbie looks like a good dapper young man because he was wearing like very nice like attire like not like classy attire i'll say that like wearing you know a blazer nice pants nice shoes everything talking to him you know bantering back and forth. He tells he's a huge Michigan fan, loves college football. I'm like, crap, dude, I could get this guy on. And he wants to be in broadcasting too. If this platform ever grows, which it will one day. And you know, it, we will see you like 2024 is the year of the engage a podcast. Just remember that I'm claiming that right now. And I've done pretty decent with predictions, which we'll get into that later, but no, uh, with Robbie, I was like, dude, I want to bring this kid on. I'm like, Robbie, you want to join the AgaJ podcast or you even want to just come on for one episode? He's like, "Yeah,'d i be down for sure." So exchange information. I'm like, and our first recording session goes terribly, which don't ever use Zoom to record podcast. Streamyard is the best platform that you can use just because it's very easy to download the files. First off, get them like they, they do a great job doing pr- presentation, which, as I'm trying to learn some more stuff, you know, trying to produce shows, and if we ever just generate profit off this to the point where I can hire a producer and get everything done for me, that'd be fantastic. You know, get stuff done for me before I don't have to worry about you know setting things up with the other busy stuff that I do in my life. That would be perfect. Plus, I wouldn't have to work as much. <laughs> you know, that's always the benefit, and that's why you obviously, that's the. One of the objectives of, you know, pursuing content, but then when you hear from a lot of creators that, you know, all the money and attention that they get kind of, you know, messes with mental health and whatever, which is a real thing. And some people just are not meant for it. And that's just the truth at the end of the day. But anyways, meeting this kid, do an episode together, you know, doesn't go very well. The audio sucks. You can't hear them. And it's because we were using a different recording platform. and then. I'm like, yo, all right, let's try this again. We get it done. Probably one of the better episodes that we ever have, you know, doing our preseason and week zero reactions. I made the crazy Louisville prediction that they would make the ACC championship. He said Alabama was a sleeping sleeper in the play for the playoffs because they were not getting a lot of preseason hype. Guess what? They make it like me and him. You know, it's been an entertaining journey along the way. We're having a lot of fun doing this. So I am grateful that I, you know, decided to talk to that kid instead of keeping my mouth shut. So basically, moral of the story is don't be afraid to take an opportunity or afraid to talk to someone because you never know what could come along the way and what impact they could have with you. You know, I just love that Wayne Gretzky quote, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. And whether you apply that to, you know, significant others or, you know, taking a risk on something taking an investment risk you know and obviously that's a little bit more of you know obviously that you might want to do that a little bit more calculated than go blindly but like what i'm trying to say is you will never know what happens if you don't know what to do or you don't know like you will never know what happens if you don't take that chance or that opportunity so just make sure that if you learn something today or you need to be reminded or because it is New Year's resolution season. I know you guys are out there. I'm not gonna make jokes because you know, if you want to really obtain that goal and not just be that New Year's resolutioner that doesn't show up to the gym in a week, I don't want to make fun of you because your life is your life. My life is my life. Capiche, capiche. All right. Uh, but no, in all honesty, like if you needed to be reminded of something. Like, that is the advice that I would give you for today. Maybe we should do a motivational speaking segment on the Engage A podcast. Leave that, you know, either say it social media-wise or just leave it in the comment section. Or if you know me personally or know Robbie personally, tell us to stick with the idea. All right, let's get into the All-State Sugar Bowl second semifinal game all the way in, I believe, New Orleans. Yes, New Orleans, Louisiana. Obviously, the first game being the Rose Bowl, we don't even have to tell you where that is, because if you've watched college football ever in your life, you know that's in Pasadena, California, baby. All right, let me not do my Dion impression. Uh, Washington wins the game 37-31. to 31. First thing I want to say is, Michael Penix is the best thrower in the country. Is that crazy to say? No, he's been doing it for the last two seasons. He is the greatest thrower. I might have said Stroud or maybe Bryce Young last year, but. This year especially, Michael Penix, when it comes to all three levels of getting the ball out, he's the best passer, okay? His ability to move in the pocket, his awareness of where what to do in every single situation, how it is also schemed up for him, well, shout out to Jay Grubb and Kalen DeBoer, and I'm talking really fast because it really, I'm going to get to the second point of this and why I'm saying all of this to begin with, Michael Penix... Is the best passer in the country, and if you did not know Michael Penix's name or that he existed on this great planet Earth that has a population over $8 billion, he is a stud. He is a guy that should be in the top 10 in the NFL draft. I don't care if he's older. So is freaking Bo Nix and all these other guys that stayed for forever in college. This guy deserves an opportunity at the next level. He deserved a second chance at the college football level. He was not good when he went down with all those injuries at Indiana. He didn't basically had two knee surgeries within the span of like two years. That is something really h- hard to come back for and why he also doesn't run the football as much. But it was displayed a little bit in this game. Michael Penix, it's, it's not a surprise to me. You want to know why? Because he's been doing it all freaking season. If you watch Washington throughout the year, and obviously the volume of it happening or how much it happens of him, if you watch the first five games, man, this Washington team was just a wagon. You can't spell Washington without wagon. Just remember that, okay? And if you don't believe me, look at the W, look at the A, look at the G, look at the O, look at the N. Wagon, okay? They are a well-orchestrated machine on offense. The passing... The receivers, which the receivers make a huge difference in this game coming up on Monday. But I'm going to say my thoughts for that for later, because whether we have Mr. Elliott or not, you see what I did there, and I didn't refer him to as Mr. Elliott when I was explaining my story. That's my bad. He's known as Mr. Elliott from now on, and whenever when he comes on the show again, because I'll tell if he listened or didn't listen. Be like, what's up, Mr. Elliott? How's it going? And then, you know, you guys that watched, this is just going to be really a testament to see how much Robbie actually cares about this or not. I'm just kidding. I know he cares because I'm not going to go into our personal conversations, but all I got to say is you guys better be excited for the rest of the year through this off season, through this transfer portal, through this NFL draft season, through the spring ball season, through the final stages of recruiting in the second signing day period. That really doesn't even count as a signing day period because the first Signing day back in December 20th is when really the big national signing day is. I mean, obviously, the guys that are going to play, you know, small D1 or haven't figured out what college they want to play at yet, or Division II, NAIA, JUCO, D3, all, all levels of college football obviously matters, right? Shout out to Vincent Cox, by the way, guy that I graduated with, was in class with. His Harding, I want to say their Bison's, They won the D2 National Championship over the Colorado State School of Mines. Very, very, very happy. Let's give a little bit of a clap for Vincent Cox. He's probably not listening because he's probably eating Taco Bell. Uh, And if you don't get that, he's 300 pounds and six foot. He's just – I love Vincent. Uh, (laughs) Okay. Back to this game and back to the second part of my Michael – man, I've done – this is why – I mean, me and actually Robbie do this all the time where – we just get sidetracked. I'm talking about whatever, but Michael Penix does a fantastic job in this game. Roma Dunze, Jalen Paul, and Jalen McMillan all going to be NFL receivers. Going to want to draft them on your fantasy team, especially whether you're doing a one year or doing a dynasty league. Which, if you and you ha- if you have you and a couple buddies that want to do a dynasty league, greatly recommend. These guys are difference makers. And Jeremy Bernard is also one of these guys who he might be a pro. He might not be. He's a Michigan State represent, even though he doesn't really represent Michigan State anymore because he's on Washington. But regardless. And he's also a good special teams player. You know, maybe Michigan's just returner you. Jaden Reed, Jeremy Bernard. Might happen. Might just be the thing. Tyrell Henry, you know. He might be that guy at Wisconsin. Uh all right. Anyways, uh, no, these receivers were big difference makers throughout the whole entire game. They're going to be the guys you want to watch out for. And the thing that's going to give Michigan, you know, only a week to prepare for, probably going to be like hell for them to prepare, prepare for this. But, you know, the ground game wasn't that good. Michael Penix getting involved was a great thing. Dylan Johnson comes away with two touchdowns, has that foot injury at the end. I have no idea what the status is on that because. I saw something was mentioned, but I, I didn't really take a te- deep dive in this. What I will say is, this Washington defensive line and front seven in general did a relatively good job. Braylon Trice, this kid is going to be a difference maker at the next level. I've said that a lot, but you know, this is where a lot of the best players play at. They play on the biggest stage. They, you know, and they just get to showcase their talent and potentially boost their stock. And Bray- Braylon Trice, kid off the edge, that's going to be very good. If you don't take the opportunity on him, you'll never know. Lions, you need a secondary pass rusher. If he falls to you, i am going to be pissed if you don't take him. Unless there's someone else. And we'll give, like I said, we we're gonna talk a lot about through the draft season on, you know, who we think these guys are. We're gonna be and Robbie are gonna be, you know, just film wizards, you know, at least an hour a day. Just watching these guys, just playing and be like, damn, we want the Lions to take them, or like, damn, this guy would be really good there damn this kid sucks I don't know why he's so high you know all the possibilities you know that comes with draft day season I will say Texas did not do a very good job of generating pressure on the edge in fact they didn't generate much if any you had Ethan Burke that was about it obviously your difference makers being Byron Murphy and Travondre Sweat you know you're too big interior guys that are are Go on and be great at the next level. And Terrence Brooks, I thought played okay when he was out there. And think Anthony Hill played too bad either. Ryan Watts got cooked. Um, <laughs> but no, Texas. It was just not a good matchup for him. Obviously, having the ninety-second pass. Uh, defense of allowing pass yards in the country, you know, that's definitely not a good sign going into this game, a statistic that was brought up a lot of how their secondary was the weak point And obviously Washington's being their, you know, they're being their receiving core, but also their offensive line. Michael Penix doesn't get sacked. He didn't get sacked in this game and has got sacked 11 times all season. That is ridiculous. That is something, that, especially with how much they throw the ball. And, yes, they have the RPO quick, you know, concepts with the screens and, you know, the stick concepts, slants, all that stuff that they do have. But this kid, they give him the time to take these shots, and obviously he creates a little bit of that time by himself. By I remember he just moved, you know, like this almost, if you're watching on the YouTube platform, if you're watching on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, he shifts his body left to right, makes a really good throw in the pocket, and he completes it for a significant game. That, that is all. Uh, and I know what happened at the end, obviously, Dylan Johnson getting hurt, Texas having the opportunity, which they go with the swing pass uh, on their first play. It's like, okay. And then, obviously, they get inside the red zone, and then Donnie Mitchell is not able to come up with it. They do a great job of breaking up that pass at the end. You know, Texas, you were right there, man. You got an opportunity when you probably didn't deserve, but some unfortunate circumstances for Washington happened for you to get there. I thought Ubers played okay. I didn't think he played great. I didn't think he played bad. You know, them having to take more field goals – Really hurt them in the end. It's just been the story of Texas just having to take, settle for field goals in the red zone, something they struggled with all year and that we've mentioned on this show. Obviously, they were able to score four touchdowns in this game. Could have scored five. The difference right there. Just wanted to get that off. Um, With that being said, oh, no, wait, I'm reading that wrong. Anyways, but just like missed opportunities in general like that is just something that you can't can't have two fumbles obviously washington having that hiccup on their punt return as well not very good And special teams like i said there were they're probably the most you know thing to be concerned about as a college football fan and looking at you know just everything that happened on monday is like those mistakes especially in the championship game got to get cleaned up I thought Texas really didn't go to the run as much as they should have. They were having a lot of success. They had 6.4 yards per carry running the football. Probably should have stuck with it. I'm just going to be blatantly honest with you. You probably should have stuck with it because they were able to have a lot of success. Blue and Baxter actually looked really good running the football where before, you know, when Jonathan Brooks went down with the injury, like, I mean, in that Oklahoma State game, they look all right, but, like, there was just a different level in having a month to prepare with these practices and getting the mesh points down and everything. That went really well for Texas, and they went away from it too quick. And when they went down 37-21, to that's that's where the difference was made. Yeah, that's about all I have to say about that. Obviously, I'd go a little bit more in-depth, but you know, we are 43 minutes in on I me mean, recording this and obviously not having Robbie and being able to have a back-and-forth conversation. I'm just trying to get all my thoughts out. Like I said, I think I'm doing a pretty good job breaking this down. And obviously, if you don't watch the games and you don't understand, oh, I never even switched the ticker for this. Wow, I'm doing a fantastic job, guys. You know, I'm all relaxed, sitting back in my chair. And you're probably like, "Why is the Rose Both thing still on?" That's a that's a producer. That's my bad. Uh, <laughs> final thoughts: I think Washington is a really good team, and what a, we didn't get a chance to do a, a preview show of the college football playoff semifinals. But I thought really Washington was just going to be an underrated team. A lot of people watch Washington for the first time. On television, Monday night. I've been here all season. They've been a talk. The Pac 12 is a talk being the best team or having the best teams, having the best conference, you know, in the country. And hey, they got a they got a team representing them. They beat an SEC school. It is a big 10 matchup in the college football playoff. Very excited to see. One thing. We will bring up as we get away from the college football playoff talk, as I try to pull something up here. Bull pickums. Yes, that episode we had back in the middle of December, me and Rob, we picked every single outright winner. Guess what? Your boy went 27 and 12 with the win percentage of 69. That's nice. Uh, 69%. I started out really hot going nine and one, and then I was falling near the 500 range. And then, if you take a quick look at the end, boy, kind of went on a hot streak again. The only games getting lost on. I'm not a very experienced user in Google Sheets, so just give me a second. After that Rutgers game, your boy went one, two, three, four, five, six. Uh, I lost count. All right, let's try that again. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, two losses, eight, nine, 10, 11, and 12. 12 and two to close out the year in the bowl season, not excluding the college football playoff semi games. Went 27 and 12. You know, what more could I say? I'm the more, ex- no, I'm just kidding. Bowl games are a complete, you know. It's fun to guess because it gives me a reason to watch. And I w- did watch a decent amount of bull games throughout this holiday season. Probably wanted to watch a little bit more, but you know, obviously spending time with family and doing, you know, attending other Christmas festivities or whatever holiday you you and your family celebrate. Or if you don't celebrate the holidays at all, probably should. It's a great time. Uh <laughs> me personally celebrate Christmas. Very happy though that I do not have to wear that maze blue. Oh, oh. yeah. Anyways, Robbie went twenty and nineteen. Obviously, finishing over five hundred. Still did. We both did a really good job on guessing these games. Probably better than a lot of you thought we would do. Which that means you don't trust our opinions. Which why are you watching this podcast? Do you just want to be you know clipping stuff, clipping stuff, clipping stuff. So when we get it wrong, you're like, oh man, you know. These guys, you know, they're they're not that good. You know, producing college football. Why do they make a podcast? <laughs> Guess what, buddies? Me and Robbie are on it. We've always been on it. We're gonna continue to be on it. Okay, pause. Uh, and you know, that's just what it is. We're the, we're the best podcast in the college football landscape, baby. Uh collectively going forty-seven and thirty-one. Great job from an engage eight effort. That is what you want to see. All right, let me stop sharing my screen. All right, before we close out this show, and if you stuck around for the whole time, want to quickly mention, like, subscribe, share, do all that good business, because I don't feel like doing the ramble at the end where you know it's very entertaining and I gives Robbie a good laugh after, after I hit the end recording button. But, you know, Mr. it's not here today. That's who he is. I might change that in the spreadsheet, send it over to him again, be like, it's your name, right? Uh, Oh, the transfer portal, man. All right. Some stuff happened since the last time we were able to project our beautiful voice on this podcast. Caden Salter already mentioned it, enters the portal. He's a kid that's gonna be probably good and probably gonna be looking to be on a high caliber, you know, competing team. He is a very good, he produced the stats. He looks decent on film from what I've seen. I kind of want to take a little bit more deeper dive into this. Before I really give my honest and full opinion on this, kids a beast leads Liberty to a 13 and one season. Like Jamie Chadwell's first season, man, that's awesome. Will Howard still in the portal has not made his decision yet. Where will he go? There's rumors on Ohio State. There's rumors on USC. You know Miami might want to give that guy a call. You know a guy named Tom Pernelli doesn't think Will Howard's any good. I do. I I really do like Will Howard. He won a, You don't win a conference championship by being terrible. That's all I'm gonna say. Uh DJ Uli Ugale, He commits to the Florida State Seminoles. Definitely uh just want a veteran in that quarterback room at least. I believe he will play over Brock Glenn, but regardless, DJ is a talented kid, man. And he did revive his career at Oregon State. And obviously, there is this negative, you know. Narrative around his name because of what happened at Clemson. I really hope he can go to another school and shine. This kid deserves it all. He's really came back against all the allegations and all banter on his name. I hope this kid does it. I, this kid's good. Uh, oh, God. Yeah, Grayson McCall going to NC State. I think that's a good get. We're just going to – we'll do, obviously, more transfer portal additions as we go out through the offseason. We have plenty of time to talk about it. Mentioned KJ Jefferson to UCF. I actually think it's good because he's kind of similar to Rice Plumlee, not necessarily in build and structure, but in just terms of play style. That is something that, you know, they're eerily similar on. And, you know, kid, he's, he's good. He is good. Uh, oh, my God. Robbie Asher enter the portal. Oh, man, I must have missed that one. Is there anything else that I really need to mention at the moment? I'm just scrolling through this. Just trying to see if there's any other names. I think we're good on quarterbacks. Dante Moore goes to Oregon, which is great for him. Malik Murphy goes to Duke. Nelson's still in the portal, Malachi. Nelson, he might be a great get for whatever team. Daquan Finn goes to Baylor. He's going to try to save Dave Aranda's job. I like Will Rogers to Washington. Not that I think he's ever going to be the caliber of what Michael Penix was at Washington, but Will Rogers is a damn good quarterback, man. Look at the stats that he put at Mississippi State. Watch the film before, obviously, the tragic death of Mike Leach happening. Look what he was able to do in a run-and-shoot, air raid type of offense, man. When he's able to command and be very comfortable and do what he has done best throughout, obviously, the scheme in his college career, you know. He's good. He's he's damn good. Uh some running backs, Trevor Etienne committing to Georgia. They I think they just need more running back depth. And Trevor Etienne has that big play high ceiling that I don't think he's as consistent. And I don't know if Dewan Edwards and Moulton are both staying, but whoever they decide to throw out running back in the offseason, because Georgia is a running back school. Over the few years, and ETN might just be another one of those guys. Obviously, having a brother playing for the Jacksonville Jaguars, you know, that helps too. Getting points and pointers from him, and he was awesome at Clemson. But shout out to Will Shibley, declared for the draft. Raleigh Brown, Arizona State, kid is a wide receiver, running back, hybrid type player. He's just an athlete that can play football, man. If you could plug and play, if Kenny Dillingham can do anything, he can plug and play guys. And get the most out of them. Penny Boone entering the uh, running back from Toledo is definitely going to be interesting to see where he goes. Cause he was great at Toledo this year, especially and, uh, you know, whoever gets them going to get a good get man. Uh, Evan Stewart entered the portal. Where will he go? Say, uh, that's a question that Remains to be unanswered, but, you know, maybe next time we record. Also, Julian Fleming going to Penn State? Penn State? Interesting. Interesting. That just happened today. I haven't really got my thoughts on that. Oh, do they? Ha- Lance Hurd, that's uh, that's one of the tackles. There's just two pro tackles on LSU that are going to go next year, and he's not going to be able to play. And this is all just stuff from what I've heard when I talk about offensive line. I can not really tell you too much because – you know, that's not really where my attention goes. And if I am watching an offensive line prospect, it's probably for draft day purposes uh, or, you know, spring ball when I'm paying a lot of attention to detail. Uh, Walter Nolan, the Ole Miss, man. And Princely, Umamian. Uh, I'm trying to pronounce it to the best. And Tyler Barron. Wow, they got three of the top four defensive line prospects. Corey, 24 7 sports. Uh, that's actually a very good get. Nick Scorton is obviously a guy who led the league in Big 10. Or led yeah, led the league in Big Ten. That makes sense. Or led this led the amount of sacks in the Big Ten. Jesus, I can talk. Uh obviously just wanted to play meaningful football and be contribute to a you know high caliber team. Trey Moore also going to Texas. It's a good get. That is a good get. Uh linebackers Johnson going to Kentucky. Very good for uh Georgia this season when he was in there. Other than that, linebacker wise, man, the linebacker class is kind of weak. The Chris Paul kid, he's also going to Ole Miss as well. Because you know, Lane Kiffin is the portal king. Uh, this kid actually, when I watched the film on him, dude, that guy, he's actually Chris Paul Jr., but uh yeah. Uh defensive back wise, Andrew Mubaka is a good get. Uh Toronio Pride, both those Clemson DBs definitely 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 a good get nylon Green and AJ Harris so nylon Green already committing to purdue I wonder where AJ Harris will go um yeah other than that obviously I got a lot more film to catch up on on these guys because if your name if you don't stick out when I watch you in, obviously the game broadcast and I gotta go back watch your highlights it's either I am blind or you just didn't pop that much on tape to begin with. Obviously, with the defensive players, you got to be a little bit more attentive to who you watch, which is why we do the spring ball and everything, man, why we pay attention to these teams. All right, that is going to be it for the Engage A podcast. I already said what you needed to do earlier, so I'm not going to restate it. All I hope you know is we will be back with the National Championship predictions, hopefully with Mr. Elliott. Uh, yeah. That's all I got to say. Thank you for listening. And one thing, and this is going to be something we say in 2024 every single time. Make the most of the opportunities. Have fun. Stay smart. Enjoy the ride.